The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Hi, my name is Claire Finkenbeiner. This is my wife, Missy, and we're here to tell you about our, our, our journey, you know, to coming to Lifehouse. So I kind of started with the launch of the Chambersburg campus in 2018. A group of friends and I, we came to that opening day and I was, I was just excited. And, you know, I shared that coming home, like, you know, it was really fun. I think you would like it, but some pushback, which was completely understandable. Yeah, I have a little bit of history where I've really turned from God. I had a daughter that was born and she was with us for two months and uh, she, she passed. I got very angry with God, blamed him. I justified um, my daughter's you know, passing to make me a better father than I had an opportunity to before. I was blessed then uh, later with uh, you know, my son. You know, um, he's my best friend. Uh, we did everything together and I just had a perfect son. Uh, unfortunately, um, on October, 25th of 2018, um, my son um, made the decision to take his life by suicide. Don't know why. <laughs> I do remember that we had a pastor showed up that morning and I, I, I damned God. Uh, you know, how could he do this to me again? And uh, I just uh, was just so angry. I just didn't know where to go. I was just lost. Unfortunately, Trip, his story, his son is all too familiar and common in our community. In fact, 90%, statistics say that 90% of us have experienced the loss of a close loved one or friend through suicide. And so this is not, you know, just, uh, you know, leaning into, Trip and Missy's story, something that's distant from us, but it's a pain and a tragedy that we deeply feel, and it's something deeply personal. Now, on the front end, I feel like I've got to share this or, or say this. Uh, my message today is not about suicide. It's not about suicidal ideation nor about how to cope with suicide, although there's going to be some overlapping themes. Or I'm saying that because I don't want to kind of set you guys up and feel like, wait, why isn't he talking about that? All right, I'm, what, I'm gonna, what I want to talk about is how the horrors and the tragedies that we walk through create inner turmoil that we can't get through. And what do you do with that? Because here's what I know. Every one of us go through horrors and tragedies, troubles and suffering and pain. That is turmoil around us that becomes turmoil in us that we don't know how to escape from. It might be someone else's choice to take their life that creates a turmoil in us about how we can escape from that pain. But it may be a different personal tragedy a different loss that creates a different narrative that the end result is that we still don't know how to escape or get out of. We, it, we don't know how to cope with it. 
and having spoken at too many funerals and stood at too many bedsides in hospitals, watching loved ones lose the people they care most about. I come in with a deep, not just empathy, but a deep grief. I remember specifically at a funeral of a young man who took his life, my next door neighbor. I was the first one on the scene trying to hold his mom. She's understandably losing her mind. And at that funeral, I said, and I, I, I feel like this captures how we all feel. These moments are nightmares that we keep waiting to wake up from. And we don't know what to do with it. It's just a constant waiting to wake up. And there's something in your life that is a nightmare that you're waiting to wake up from and you don't know how to escape from. and You don't know what to co how to cope with it. And when those situations around us become troubles inside of us, here's at least a brief list of things going on. We feel stuck in it. That's why we want to escape. Because we feel like we're just planted in it. We don't want to be in it. We're stuck and we don't know how to get out. And so all we can do is imagine escaping. Not only are we stuck in it, but we become defeated by it. That situation won. And, and it, it's now something that's got us beaten and defeated. And, and then the next thing is that if, if we're stuck in it and it's defeated us, then it defines us. It's the first thing on our mind when we wake up, the last thing before we go to bed. It's the story that we tell. It's the thing that grips our heart. There's things that have defined you that you can't seem to escape from. And then for people who are believe in God in some way or turn to God, often when people feel stuck in it, defeated by it, defined by it, they try to use religion to get out of it. What I specifically mean is that people turn to God hoping that if it's like a bargain with God. God, if I do this and I do this and I do this, then you need to do this. And so what we try to do is we try to pray enough, go to church enough, do, so, do good things enough that somehow if I do, then God will. And that's just, that's the um, equation of religion. That if I do enough religious stuff, then God owes me and he'll do this. But what you and I know is that it still leaves us stuck. And then we become frustrated with God. God, where are you in it? Or maybe even like Trip, you're even you know, ready to say like, I damn God in it. And yes, it's okay for us to say that even in church, some of you are waiting for lightning to strike. It won't. I mean, that's why some of you are online at home. You're like, I don't, don't want to be there when lightning hits Lifehouse because Patrick said that. Um, so I want to bring you to a place where we can talk about not just how do we cope with, but when the turmoil and the nightmares around you become turmoil and nightmares in you, what do you do? So I'm gonna bring you to a passage of scripture in the Bible. In order to get there, let me give you a little bit of context or let me give you some context. Uh, I'm gonna bring you to the letter. It's called the letter to the Romans. It was a letter written by the apostle Paul to the church in Rome. His goal was that he was relocating his missions headquarters to Rome. 
It was the most significant, important, and central city in all the Roman Empire, obviously. And so he had been working out of Antioch, had been traveling all across Europe and Asia, starting new churches, and he was relocating his headquarters. But now you need a little more backstory. So why is this guy a missionary traveling all across Asia and Europe? Well, Paul used to be Saul. He was a passionate leader within the Jewish tradition, religion, and he made it his mission to kill Christians. That's right. He was a religious terrorist. And on his way to arresting and killing other Christians, he had a vision from heaven where he met Jesus and it radically turned his life upside down. And now the religious terrorist becomes a preacher of the message of Jesus. Well, now he's lost a lot of friends. He's kind of limited his fear of opportunity. But Saul, who changes his name to Paul, and he leverages his personal business to start churches all across Asia and Europe. Now that it's been very successful, he wants to relocate to Rome. And so his goal is that the churches that already exist in Rome need to be prepared for him to show up and challenge them to get on mission. And his point is this, there is good news from God that changed my life when I was a crazy religious terrorist, radically turned my life around. And I believe that when I show up in Rome, I'm gonna challenge you that God wants to not just turn your life around. Here's the point is it's not about stuff that you know, it's about how you live. And he was kind of going, you've been, you know this stuff, but I wanna challenge you to live it. Ah, the artist, God himself, doesn't want to just plant ideas in your mind. He wants to shape your life so that you become what you believe. And when you become what you believe, it changes your behavior. So we believe, we become, we behave differently. This series is about how we believe, then we become, and then we behave. So the Apostle Paul, he tells the story. In, in Romans, I'm gonna give you, again, I'm giving you some context, and then I'm gonna quickly get moving here. He opens up by sharing the good news. He goes, I am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So remember, he's writing to Rome, first to the Jews, but then also to everyone, to the Gentiles. That's chapter one, where then he begins this process of telling us that the good news only makes sense if you understand the bad news, and the bad news is that everyone's bad. Meaning everyone turned their back on God because of this horrific thing called sin. In order to make his point, and it spends the next two chapters telling us how bad we are. How like, we're really bad, and we should all feel guilty. And then he goes in chapter three, he goes, okay, now that you understand that you're all bad, there's good news. God loves you, God wants to rescue you. And then in chapter four, so hopefully you don't mind me giving you a little bit of background, he pulls up this guy named Abraham, who's from a long time ago, Father Abraham, and he goes, here's this guy, Abraham, who is living a tragic life. He's a guy who's almost 100 years old, and in a world where your, your children are your wealth, are your future, are your legacy, this guy has got no kids. And he's got no hope of kids, because, I mean, he's almost 100 years old. And his wife is 90 years old. And God shows up in Abraham's life and says, you're gonna have a son. He's like, I don't know how that's possible. And, uh, and then, so this is Paul. He goes like this. Now, with that as the background, he goes like this. In, in Romans chapter four, verse 18, he goes, against all hope, 
Abraham, in hope, believed. Now that's an important statement. I'm gonna keep bringing you back to that over the next few minutes here, okay? He goes, against all hope, when you had no reason to believe that this nightmare could turn around, when the troubles around you became turmoil in you, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. Believed what? He believed in God. And that's where we're gonna go in Romans chapter five. He goes, therefore, since we have been justified, he goes, therefore, since you have been made right with God, through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, what I just read is a lot. I mean, it's an entire paragraph with a whole bunch of key important statements. He's making this point. He goes, Through faith, you've been made right with God. And because you've been made right, you work with God to make things around you right. And as a result of that, you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And and when that happens, you gain access to God's generous riches that gives you strength to stand. And when that happens, you begin to boast in God's glory. Okay, here's a point. Here's where Paul is going. There is available to you a God-shaped happiness. Wait, what, Patrick? How audacious in the backdrop of Trip and Missy's story, in the context of my own nightmares, that you would suggest that there is available to us that we could experience God-shaped happiness. That's right, because here is the challenge. So many of us, because of the troubles around us, are looking for a differently shaped happiness. We, we, because of all of the stuff we've been through and the troubles around us becoming turmoil in us, we start to look for sex-shaped happiness. And I don't mean a good marriage-appropriate I mean, lust and perversion and stuff that is not what God designed for us. We start pulling stuff in to shape happiness. We start using entertainment-shaped happiness. We start using hobby-shaped happiness. We start leaning into addiction-shaped happiness. Using other things to try to make us feel good because the world around us isn't good and the trouble around us became turmoil in us. And worse... It's not just that the troubles around us become troubles in us. It's that you and I were born with a sabotaging force in us that robs us of happiness, steals our joy and peace. And it's a spiritual problem called sin. That's what the Apostle Paul is getting at. He goes, and because of this deep inner spiritual problem called sin, it wrecks relationship with God. It leaves us feeling that pain is punishment, not just a problem. It causes us to interpret everything about our life through the lens of because we're bad, we deserve bad, and it makes us feel worse, and then we try to numb the pain, and we try to create happiness through other means than God himself because sin separates us from God, sends us on a life course of ruin toward a forever far from God. But God, I mean, Kurt, let me say it again. But God, Here's what the Apostle Paul writes after he talks about Abraham and he introduces us to this guy who against all hope, in hope believed. He brings us to Jesus. He says, Jesus, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Because you know what happened? 
God stepped from heaven to earth because he saw us in this mess we could never get out of. The nightmares around us became nightmare in us. And there was this force inside of us called sin that set us up for a separation from God and a forever without God. So Jesus came from heaven to earth, willingly was delivered over to death because of our sins, meaning he took on our death sentence. And then he was raised to life from death in order to make us right with God. That's good news. And that good news changes everything. He continues, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, I mean, when there was nothing we could do for ourselves, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. That's the bad news. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love the way that's written in another translation of the Bible. It's called the message translation, where it says this, um, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. That's good news. That when our life was a, not just a mess around us, but a mess in us. When our life wasn't just bad around us, it was bad in us. When there wasn't just turmoil around us, there was turmoil in us. Sin, sabotaging us, setting us up for a forever far from God, but God put his love on the line in sacrificial death to rescue us, to make us right, and to turn our life around. And that will change your story. It certainly changed Tripp's story and Missy's story. In fact, we want to share a little bit more of their story with you. Check this out. Missy, you know, continued to, to come to church and, uh, you know, and hearing the messages, <clears throat> hearing the, uh, the music, you know, brought me some comfort that I hadn't felt in, in quite some time. You know, through time and through conversations with Patrick and messages, and he started to feel a little joy. And I could see joy coming back. His death, you know, it brought me to God. And uh, my son, you know, he made me a better person, you know, in his life. And uh, you, you gotta talk about it. And you gotta keep the memory there. Grief never ends. And uh, I try to tell people the grief is proportional to the love. You can't have unconditional love and then not have, you know, unconditional grief. People can't believe in my strength, and I tell them it's not me. Other than me, I would have called it quits a long time ago. It's it's God, you know, and, and God's given me the strength to, to carry the grief with me. You have to keep yourself grounded on what's important. If you're having any, any, any thoughts like that, just talk to anybody, somebody. You're not alone. Everybody needs help at some point in their life, everybody. I know what it's like to be in that darkest of places. I was there when my son passed. I struggled with it, and God brought her into my life to help me through a darkness that I hope many people never, never have to face. Based on what I've faced, what we've faced, what our entire family's faced, um, you know, you gotta have faith. She's the one that, that pulled me to come to, to Lifehouse, you know, to God. And, and I think it's fair to say if we didn't have this Lifehouse family, 
we might not have made it. You know, Patrick and Nelson, Hilda, you know, all the guys on the security team that I'm, I'm part of, they're like an extended family. I mean, I, I look forward to coming to church, you know, and, and I get here early and faith means something to me now. It doesn't mean there's not gonna be darkness. It doesn't mean there's not gonna be hard times. It just means you're always gonna be able to see, hopefully, that light at the end of the tunnel, you know, to help get you through. So grateful for Tripp and Missy's courage and willingness to share what our hope was, was that what they said speaks to your heart. And that is that God, in the midst of our tragedies and nightmares, he meets us. God demonstrated his love toward us in this way, that while we were yet sinners, far from him, he came to us. Gave, Jesus gave his life in sacrificial death to give us life when we could offer nothing in return. And it changes our story. There's some of you who, what you're going through, you need to meet God in. And I promise you that God is present here to meet you, to hold you, to carry you. And God wants to speak to your heart, to encourage you. But then there's specifically some of you who you, you've never you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet. We wanna give you opportunity for that because there's a, there's a turning moment. Like, like the apostle Paul, who was Saul, a religious terrorist who met Jesus and it turned his life around and upside down for a couple like Tripp and Missy, where Tripp is, the, you know, the tragedy of his son becomes this deep inner turmoil. And then he met Jesus. It doesn't immediately take away the grief. It may never take away the grief, but Jesus changes everything. And what I know that is there's many of you who there's been a nightmare that you've walked through, that you're stuck in, that you're defeated by, that's defined you, and you thought religion was the answer and it never was. What you need is the person of Jesus Christ. And by faith, through faith, <laughs> you're made right with God peace with God, you have the grace of God. And so we wanna offer that to you. If you're ready to make that decision to say yes to Jesus, it's just that. There's nothing you can do to earn or deserve. You just believe in Jesus. But if you're ready to believe in Jesus by faith, he wants to forgive you of your sins and give you new life, eternal life. And so we wanna just pause for a moment. On the screen, we're gonna put a QR code, which you can scan Fill out a form. One of our pastors will follow you here at our Hagerstown campus. Pastor Spencer is gonna follow up with you. If you're joining us online, we have a team that will quickly follow up with you. The reason is we wanna encourage you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God because we wanna make sure that wherever you're at, whatever you're walking through, that we know that the first step, the first answer, the most life-changing experience you're ever gonna have is faith in Jesus Christ. So if you would, scan that QR code. Let us know that you're making that commitment, that you're saying yes to Jesus. And as you're saying yes to Jesus, here's what's happening. God's Holy Spirit, which is invisible and eternal, comes and becomes present in your life. His Spirit meets your spirit. The invisible God meets the invisible part of who you are. And he changes you. He forgives you. He begins to heal you from the inside out. The hand of the artist begins to shape your life through faith. 
In fact, as he shapes your life through faith, here's what happens. He can turn your suffering into a story. He can take tragedy and turn it into your testimony and into triumph. He can take your deepest grief through his grace and turn it into a gift that you share with others. How? Only God. Let me bring you back to this passage, Romans chapter five, verse one. He goes, therefore, since we are justified through faith, let me, let me restate that because some of you, if you didn't hear last week's message, I need to explain that. Justified is this idea of being made right before God. We were wrong. We were not right. We were bad. We were bad people doing bad things. Even if we thought we were good, we knew in our hearts we were bad. And so he goes, but you need to be justified. When I believe in Jesus by faith, I am made right with God. But remember, this is about participating. Paul's reason for writing this is to invite the church in Rome to participate in the mission effort, which is that you don't just believe things, right? It's about belief that becomes, um, what, did, what did I say? I said, belief becomes our, who we, it's what we become, which produces what, how we behave. And so he goes, you don't just become right. You don't believe that you be, you're right with God and then become right with God. You participate with God in making things around you right. I talked about that last week. Now, let me keep going. So he goes, since they have been justified, you're made right and you do right through faith, we have peace with God through the, our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes, something else happens. Through faith in Jesus, you experience supernatural peace. So God-shaped happiness is peace with God and peace from God. He goes, when you believe in Jesus by faith, not only are you right with God, but you experience something that you've never experienced before, a supernatural, deep, inner peace that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Here's why. Because outside of faith in Jesus Christ, the troubles around us become turmoil in us because it feels like pain is punishment. I deserve the bad things that happen to me. It's not just that terrible things happen. It's that I deserve it. And maybe it's God punishing me. Maybe it's God out to get me. And so some turn their fist toward heaven and say, God, where are you? Or worse, damn you, God. Now, I know that some of you, as I say that, you're thinking, lightning's gonna come from heaven. Strike this place. Some of you, that's why you're online because you're afraid I'm gonna say something like that. And, okay, here's the point. We go through that. That's real. We've all been through moments because the trouble around us became trouble, not just in us, but became trouble between us and God. So the apostle Paul is saying that when you believe in Jesus by faith and you're made right with God, now you have peace with God. Meaning you no longer believe that God is against you. You believe he's for you. God is no longer a foe, but a friend. You're not his enemy you're invited into his home. He says, welcome, welcome home. And when God welcomes you home into his family, he calls you friend and you have peace with God. Now you no longer interpret the troubles around you as something caused by God, but you can meet God in them. And that's where you get peace from God. Once you have peace with God, 
then you can receive the peace of God, peace that comes from God, that no matter what is going on, even the nightmares that you've walked through, and dare I say it, the nightmares you will walk through, what I know is that those future troubles, it's not punishment from God. And God will meet you in them and give you a peace that you can't make sense of because he loves you, because you're right with God and he's for you, not against you. Let me keep reading. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. He goes like this. So follow the sequence here. He goes like this. I have been made right with God through Jesus Christ. And because I've been made right with God and I begin to participate with God in making the world right, I now have peace with God and peace from God. And I begin to participate in that peace by sharing peace with others. He goes, now in light of that, through whom we have gained grace, or I'm sorry, gained access by faith into this grace. He goes, in essence, in those moments, what happens is God throws open the doors of heaven and says, you welcome in. You're welcomed into the palace. You're welcomed into the throne room of heaven where you can encounter God. He goes, and that is possible because of grace that gives you the strength to stand. Listen to this. God-shaped happiness is your strength to stand. When you go through nightmares, when, the, inner, when the, outer, the outer turmoil and troubles around you become trouble in you, it begins to cause your legs to go weak. You lose the strength to stand. Physically, metaphorically, emotionally, mentally. You feel like you can't take another step. You can't live through another day. You don't even know how to make it through the next half hour. You know how many times I have both experienced and talked with somebody who said, I don't know how to make it through today because there's nightmares that shake your life and it robs you of the strength to stand. And then the apostle Paul writes and he goes, but, or through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. He goes, you can stand before God and you can stand in this life. He, he strengthens you to make it through the day because of his rich grace, because you have been made right with God and you have peace with God, peace from God. His grace empowers you to stand and you can say, I'll make it through another day. I'm, I'm gonna make it through today. Listen to me, you will make it through today. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, whatever the nightmare, whatever the troubles, whatever the turmoil, tomorrow morning, you're gonna say, I will make it through today. The grace, the rich grace of God. The rich grace of God to stand. You're gonna make it through. Now, I'm gonna add another one to this and this one's gonna, this is tough. Hard to even imagine when you're going through it. He continues and he says, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, how could you, while talking about suffering and all of this stuff, go like this? Yeah, not only that, but now you can actually celebrate. You rejoice in the hope that comes from the glory of God. God-shaped happiness brings celebration. 
Not because of what is going on around me, but because there is a good God that loves me. I am made right with God. I have peace from God and the peace of God. And because of that, because of my faith in Jesus Christ, the doors of heaven are open to me and I've been given access to God himself. Meaning Jesus' death wasn't just the price for my peace and grace, but Jesus is the prize Jesus is the one who brings peace, who is grace, and who opens the doors of access. And because of that, I can begin to rejoice. I can begin to celebrate God. I'm not celebrating my circumstances. I'm not celebrating the troubles. It's not that I'm happy about what's going on around me. God-shaped happiness fills us with gratitude toward him. Because we're saying, God, in the midst of all my troubles, in the midst of all my pain, in the midst of the nightmares, you've been there. You, you are my peace. You are my hope. You are my strength. You are my healer. You are my comforter. God, you gave me access to heaven when I felt completely abandoned and alone. God, I can be grateful for that. I have gratitude toward heaven. I can celebrate you. That's why we can sing. That's why we can worship. That's why we can praise. Because what we're saying is, no matter what is wrong around me, it does not, it does not reveal that there's something wrong with God. In fact, never let what's wrong around you make you think that there's something wrong with God. No, just the opposite. In the midst of our troubles and turmoils and nightmares, what it does is it causes us to look to heaven and go, God, you're good. You've been good and you will be good through it all. You're faithful and you will be faithful through it all. Let me read another piece. This one's also tough, but don't worry, I'm gonna land here, okay? He goes like this. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. That's what I just shared. Because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. Listen to this. This is the hand of the artist in your life. Produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame. Meaning it doesn't disappoint us. It doesn't lie to us. It doesn't embarrass us. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. God-shaped happiness reframes pain. It takes the pain that we previously thought was a problem it takes the pain that was previously punishment and now reframes our pain and we begin to see the hand of the artist in it. Listen to me. I want you to follow this metaphor with me. Imagine a, a giant block of wood. Not just, just an ordinary big log cut from a large tree. On its own, Probably something we turn into firewood. In fact, I'm chopping up this tree in my backyard and it's coming a giant pile of wood for future campfires, which we love. And I'm no artist, but in the hand of the artist, he may pull out a chainsaw and start carving that wood and start lobbing off major chunks. Then after the chainsaw, the chisel begins to craft it and work it. And you know, that any removal of the wood does not make it less, but more. Listen to me. 
with tear-soaked eyes, you and I need to be reminded that the horrors and the tragedies and the suffering we've been through is not making us and reducing us to less, but exposing in us the more of God. It's making you more. You thought it was making you less, it was making you more all along. Here's the deal, this, this is worth celebrating, this is worth setting off the alarms over, right? It's not making us less, but more. It's carving in us. The hands of the artist is chipping and carving and chiseling through suffering. Perseverance. Perseverance is developing character and character hope that this is not how the story ends. That I, this is not my end, but a bright new beginning. And let me tell you, I want to give you a glimpse into what God is carving into your life. You didn't know. It's taken me a long time to learn this. You know what shape God is carving you into? The cross. Your life will begin to resemble the cross of Jesus over time. A place where you die to yourself. You lay down your own shame and guilt. A place where your will and your desires falls away, is stripped away, is forgiven away. And the grace of God and the peace of God and the justification of God and the righteousness of God is lavished and lacquered on us so that we look more like Jesus and the cross. You've been resisting the cross and the chisel and the chainsaw. But God has been shaping you. Trust the hand of the artist. He loves you. He's not against you. He's for you. Can I pray over you? Some of you, you need prayer. And we have a prayer team that's available right here in the room online. There are people waiting to pray with you. If you need prayer, you ask for prayer. Let me pray over you right now. But as I pray, I want you to meet God. I want you to leave this moment without encountering God. Jesus, thank you that you loved us too much to leave us in the turmoil and the troubles of our own sin, where the turmoils around us became trouble in us. The nightmares around us became a living nightmare in us. So Jesus, you came from heaven to earth to give your life, to give us life. But you didn't just give us life, you forgive us of sin. You give us peace from heaven, peace with heaven. You make us right and you help us to do what's right. You give us access to grace through faith that gives us a strength to stand, that allows us to celebrate in the midst of our suffering. And then you, the masterful hand of an artist is shaping us to become more like Jesus, the shape of the cross. Help us to embrace and trust your hands, the hand of the artist. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.